We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Mailbag, ladies and gentlemen, hope you guys are having a great week so far. It's been a lot of fun answering these questions and just looking at the Pacers overall as a team. But Fachi, part two, let's get started. Matthew Peck, first question. You want to go ahead and read that one? Absolutely, Matt. Hey, we appreciate you. Hope all is well. He said, Neesmith is popular because of his defense on a team desperate for defense, and Carlisle loves him. But does it concern anyone else that his career high is 3.8 rebounds per game? And at six foot five, he's often playing players four to five inches taller every night. Rebounding is a team weakness as much as def- defense, in my opinion. I mean, Matt, I'll just tell you this. Rick can only play with who they put him on, put on the roster for him. And you're right. At six foot five, we heard all year long that Aaron Neesmith was going to be a, a three. He he talked about it in the offseason. He's really improved in playing more of those spots and taking more of those shots. But I think the hope was maybe Jairus Walker would be a little bit more ready than he actually was. And so with Jairus Walker not being ready and Rick not fully trusting him, they decided to go a little bit smaller with Neesmith. And there's been times here where Neesmith has been better than Obi Toppin at that four position. So I think that your concerns are valid. The Pacers need to address this spot, and I think they are very aware of that. But at this point, they did go out and get Obi Toppin. They did go out and draft Jairus Walker. So they did try to address it a little bit. But, you know, the best defender on the team is – it's tough to say because this is a bad defensive team, but he's playing really good defense and they're asking him to do more than he probably is capable of doing, but he is doing it to the best of his ability. So I would say that, yeah, they need to improve this area and they need to get better defensively and at rebounding, but it's not really Neesmith's fault. I think Neesmith has been really good, really impactful. And that's why he got the contract that he did. The extension is well worthy. I think he's well-deserving of that contract. So I I like Aaron Neesmith, have no problem with him, uh, with what they're asking him to do, but you're right. Carlisle does need to um, get 
more defensive-minded fours that have more size on this roster than what they have. But Carlisle's not the one making the decisions on that. That's Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan. Could have said it better myself. This was not the plan. The plan was not to have Neesmith playing back at the four like last year. But I think that he gives incredible effort. Obviously, he has limitations on size that, that you pointed out, Matt. But rebounding, it's got to be a team effort. It can't be Turner with you know seven and a half to eight rebounds, and everybody else in the starting lineup has you know two or three or four rebounds. It's we need more of a solidified starting power forward that can rebound. And I think that, but just like you mentioned, Alex, Jarris Walker, Obi, they haven't solved that issue. We're not even really seeing Jarris Walker playing that much. So we are. What you have to do? <laughs> Exactly. What you have to do? You had to smash the emergency glass and go back to Aaron Neesmith at the four, which did not take long to happen. I mean, that happened right about when the season started. So that's the limitations of what we have, you know, at the the four position. Neesmith's doing his best, but uh, yes, he is. He's a little bit undersized for that position. No, I agree. Let's keep moving here. Hoosier Braddy said, um, "Thanks for doing this, guys. Short uh, short of a trade for OG or Siakam." What could the Pacers do to improve the overall team defense? Ben will get better eventually. He wants it. He works for it. He has the talent. Jarris will eventually become a guy to be counted on. Until then, what? Well, then we pray. No, it's just honestly, look, at this point, it's just like they, they got to hold themselves accountable. Each player has to improve 1% each night because – we all have our defensive deficiencies. They, they, they need they need to address it, you know, at the trade deadline to make some sort of move instead of just maybe bringing in, you know, a veteran, you know, rah-rah type player. I think they're going to need to find someone that can at least have this team be, sounds crazy, but a bottom five defensive unit instead of the last unit defensively. But that, that would be an upgrade at this point. That's all you can do. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I've kind of talked about it a little bit. I think I mentioned Rick Carlisle's comments on how they allowed 20-some points in that Raptors game just because it didn't stick with their defensive scheme. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we consider and, like, try to figure things out. But if you watch their defensive scheme, I noticed in the Pistons game, Miles Turner was kind of directing traffic quite a few different times, telling guys, no, don't go here, go there, go there, go there. And it's like these guys are still not grasping the concept of what they're trying to run, or they just get a little bit lost in the in the shuffle. So, I think that it's just going to come down to discipline and in, in buying fully into their scheme because as a basketball coach that I once was, it's very difficult if people do not run the play the correct way for everything to follow through. It's just offensively, if this guy's not moving here and this guy's not doing that, then it's not going to open this opportunity. It's not going to give you this read. And the same thing works on defense. If you're not willing to do this or do that or you don't fight over the screen here and you put your other player, your teammate in a bad position, there's a lot of – back and forth here with just everybody has to buy in. Everybody wants to talk about star players in the NBA and it's not a a team sport as much as football is and whatnot. No, it's a very important team sport. It's just a different way of it. A guy can take over offensively, but defensively you've got to learn how to become better players. And so to me, it's just, they got to buy into the scheme a little bit more. And if they do that, I think that you will see success. I think you saw some success against the Pistons in that fourth quarter with how they were able to defend but the problem is their best defensive lineup, Fachi, is not one of their better offensive lineups. And so because they don't have that two-way uh, ability to have guys that can do really good things offensively and defensively, it does kind of limit what they do. Because go back to our last mailbag with Tell the Truth, if you do put your best defenders out there of Neesmith, you know, Bruce and Nimhard and Miles, and then you put Ty at the at the one, I mean, that that's enough offense, but it's not a ton. So you have to find the, that balance of sacrificing what you need, but you're right. 
uh, praying is the only answer we have for this. It's all we can do at this point. So I, I think that you, you just got to have players, you know, strive for defense the same way that they're striving to to get a dunk or or, or hit a three point or any anything like yeah. that. They need to really take that pride in there. For now, look, this Pacers team has a lot of holes defensively, and I don't think that one player can solve it. It's got to be everybody. For sure. Let's move on to the next question. Next question, Tyler Schmidt said, do you see any way that having a bottom five defense and a top five offense is sustainable for a playoff run? Yeah, this is a great question because I don't necessarily think it is. Now, when I, when I had Rob Mahoney on the podcast, he thought that the style of the play the Pacers played could win in the playoffs because they had been winning at that level. With that success, like if you can put up 130-some points in a game, you should be able to win that one if you're able to you know, just outscore the opponent by maybe four or five points a game. But you're right. It's not sustainable to me. I think that there's two different types of uh, style of play here between two teams that have kind of ascended this year, the Pacers and the Orlando Magic. The Orlando Magic are a top three defensive team in the in the league, and they held the Boston Celtics under 100 points in their last victory. I think, that this, I, I think that the Magic are building the right foundation for how you get a young team to have success while the Pacers are playing to their strengths. The Pacers don't have the defensive uh, capabilities of an Orlando Magic team because they don't have the size, the players with the the, the wingspan like the, the Magic have done. But the Magic have targeted guys like that the last couple of drafts, Paulo Boncaro, um, Franz Wagner. You go out and get Jonathan Isaac a couple of years ago, and he's been up and down with injuries. But like when he's healthy, he's been really good. And then Jalen Suggs, really good defender. So I think that they have really addressed the defensive side of things where the Pacers – haven't really done that yet. They did last year by drafting Jairus Walker and the year before that getting Andrew Nimhard, but still they're still trying to find those front court pieces that can kind of mesh that all together. So I don't necessarily think that they can uh, get us into a playoff run, but I do think that it's good enough for the regular season to get us into the playoffs. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This is not sustainable. And Tyler, I know you talked about bottom five defense and top five offense. It's a top one offense in a bottom one defense. I mean, you cannot possibly be the best at one side of the ball and then the worst at the other side of the ball and think that you're going to be able to have sustained success. So, Alex, I'm completely with you. I just feel that when you mentioned what Orlando did, Orlando in that game against Boston, they held Boston to 40 points in the second half alone. I mean – they are like the like the the blueprint right now of how to build a successful team. They're young. They're playing defense. Hey, the offense that that'll come. But my fear is also that when there's enough film out on the Pacers, they're gonna other teams are gonna be able to slow us down defensively. Do things like you know double teaming Tyrese a ton and then making mm -hmm. everybody else beat us. I thought Orlando had a great game plan against the Pacers, and uh, I I just think that. You don't want to rely on your team having to put up 35 to 43 pointers a night and having to hit at a high clip. You want to be able to say, hey, can we keep this team at this point even just below 120? Could you hold the 115? And that's something that the Pacers, you can't ask them to do each night. They're, they're giving up points on, on the season near 130 points per game. So it's not sustainable, unfortunately. At the beginning of the year, I was like, if we're trying to hold teams to 120 points a game, that's not going to be a recipe for success. At this point, I'm happy with 120 We'd points. be a real good team if we held teams to 120. I, I'm to the point that if the Pacers can just hold their opponents to 125 points or less, they'll be in good shape. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. 
Sadly, that's exactly where I'm at. And, uh, you know, it, it is a bit worrisome, but we do have one more Tyler coming up for this yeah. question. What do you got? I'll, I'll ask this one. Tyler Christian wants to know, given how Toronto has zero picks in the next draft and two prime trade targets in Siakam and in Anobi, are the Pacers and their 2024 and their two 2024 first rounders desirable player assets the most ideal trade partner? There's always going to be OKC out there, and there's zillion first round picks, and they got some young players. But I do think the Pacers Josh are one Giddy of could be available. Uh, Josh Giddy could, yeah, he could be available. I don't know who's going to want to make that trade for him right now. Uh, uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens with uh, with that situation in the league. That, that that's a messy one. Um, but for the Pacers, I think they are one of the more desirable teams to trade with you talked about those two first round picks you talked about the the some of the young players that they have uh you know bruce brown's team option uh but buddy hill's expiring contract you got nemhard you got walker you, you got matherin whatever you got a lot to potentially be able to offer i think that toronto knows that the pacers have interest in both players so i think that the pacers could very well be in the running and one of the more desirable trade partners yeah, they, they have the young pieces. We talked about it in the last mailbag episode, too. Like, they have the young pieces. They have the salary filler. They also have, you know, the expiring contract is big because if you can trade Buddy Hield and, and TJ McConnell plus a Jairus Walker to go out there and get a Pascal Siakam, like, that doesn't tie up the Toronto Raptors' books at all. They get a young player that's essentially a first-round pick. Plus, if you throw a pick or two in there as well, like, you're looking at what would be three first-round picks, Buddy and TJ, for uh, a guy like Pascal Siakam, I don't know if you're going to get much better than that. There could be other teams out there that are more desperate that throw all their picks out there. Like, oh, you can have four picks and all these pick swaps and stuff like that. I mean, the Pacers, to me, should not do that, knowing Pascal and OG are both um, unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. But I can see where a team gets desperate like that. And like, you look at a team like Memphis, they don't have as much to offer, but they're a team that could be desperate. I just, I just don't think there's a team that's as desperate that has all their assets, that has the right piece. Like maybe Orlando, that's a team that could be interesting, but they already got their positions filled up at the three yeah. and four. So the Pacers are kind of in a good spot. So I mean, I'm just trying to talk my way through this without overthinking it too much. But overall, they do have a good shot at, at being a, a, a suitor for one of these two teams. I don't know if they're the number one trade partner, Fachi, but they got to be probably close to top five. I, I would say maybe even top three. There's always going to be a wild card team, like you mentioned. Let's just say gets- top two. We could do it. We could say Just top keep going two. up. Why not? We, we could keep creeping up, but you know, I think that <laughs> the Pacers will have the need. They have the assets. You never know. You don't want to be the team that goes all in because Siakam, I can't find a player that that's harder to read of what he's going to do in free agency when he's openly saying he will not resign with whoever trades for him. That can't give you confidence to say, hey, you know what? Let's push the chips all in because if you're if you're the Pacers, you don't have many chances to go all in. So uh, I definitely think we would be appealing uh, trade partner. But next question from Adam, he said, "What would you give up for a guy like Zach Levine on this roster? Not him personally, but someone of his caliber. Or who slash what do you think is the meet the missing piece to this roster?" We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I wouldn't give up anything on this roster for Zach Levine. Nothing! Nothing! (laughs) I'm out on Zach Levine. I think the way he's handling himself right now in Chicago just kind of shows where he's at, and he kind of gives me Victor Oladipo vibes in terms of how he's trying to leave the Pacers. I I don't want Zach Levine anywhere near this Pacers team and this chemistry they have. Someone like Zach Levine. Okay, we're talking about a, a mediocre defender that can really bring it offensively, okay? I get that. I'm, I'm trying to think here uh, uh, if there's a player out there that can make sense on that same caliber. I, I, nothing comes to me off the top of my head here, Fachi. I, I kind of talked about it, I think, one of the last two podcasts we've done, um, talking about Brandon Ingram. That could be somebody that I like just because he's got a little more size, but he can't stay healthy. And Zach Levine yeah. has had some injury concerns himself, too, so... I just don't really know what the right fit is. Is there a team out there that's struggling a little bit that could be willing to move some pieces? Um, Detroit, they have some pieces that could be moved, but they're not on the same level of Zach Levine. Like I'm thinking like a Bojan Bogdanovich could be a nice stopgap help. But other than that, I just I don't really have anybody. Is there anybody that sticks out to you, Potch? No, I think your comparison with Brandon Ingram is good of like a good offensive player that has not really contributed to winning. Ooh, like, ooh, ooh. What do you got? Lori Markinen. Yeah, Lori, I mean, Lori Marketing, I, I think would be, I would much rather trade for Lori than I would like a Zach Levine or or I'd say even a Brandon Ingram. I, I think Ingram's a really good player, but I'm like so out on Zach Levine. It's ridiculous. I, I just feel like the last thing we need is just another really talented offensive player that is not helping out on the defensive side of things. And like, I just don't think that Levine has had a winning impact. Uh, in, in this league, and I feel like a player like Laurie at least is still like, you know, young, g- great size. The Pacers have a need. I, I think that you know, coming off of his first All Star season, I would much rather someone like Laurie than than I would uh, Zach Levine, who's handsomely paid. Yeah, I don't know what it would cost to get him though either. It's just probably think of players. You're talking about Danny Calvary. Ainge. Here, yeah, Danny Ainge, you might, have, you might have switched teams, but you're still dealing with Danny Ainge, and that is never easy to deal with. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I don't I don't really know. I mean, we were trying to talk ourselves into John Collins for the last couple of years. Oh, ended up not getting anything worth of value from him. I just don't really know. I just don't really think there's a great fit. And you've been seeing a lot of rumors out there that no team is in on Zach Levine <laughs> in terms yeah. of trade stuff. So it's like, eh. I don't know. I, I love how at one point it was like the team that was somewhat rumored was Charlotte. And it's like, oh, of course, like Charlotte. They're Please just like, him. yeah. And then even it came out recently that like Charlotte apparently has no interest. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, even if Charlotte's out, that, that, that says a lot. But um, Clifford's like, I don't want Zach Levine on my roster. And Mitch Clifford's <laughs> yeah. like, why? He's great. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hey, uh, next question. Uh, uh, we have Evan. What do you got for us? Yeah, Evan Noggle said with um with Oscar, your boy Oscar Sheboy, my boy, going definitely. crazy on the glass for the Mad Ants. Do you see an opportunity for him to get some NBA minutes down the stretch? Obviously, he is in a tough company with our three centers having great years individually, but 
You know, 28, was it 28 rebounds he had? 28. Yep. I mean, yep. was that a franchise record it or was. a G League record, something crazy like that? Like, it was a Mad Ants record. Look at, like, Wilt Chamberlain in the G League right now with the rebounding numbers. Fine. I, I, I said it right when the Patriots signed Oscar. I said, this is the greatest rebounder I've ever seen. Okay. Like, this man is gifted. He showed it in college. He's showing in the G League. Could he show it on the NBA level? I don't know. I can't say that he can't. But for right now, I, I just don't see that opportunity for him uh, unless all of a sudden there's major injuries to the Pacers' bigs because I feel like if, like, Jalen Smith was out, Isaiah's getting more minutes. If Isaiah's out, Jalen Smith's going to get more minutes. But I feel like it would take an injury to, like, Turner and one of the backups to really have to bring in Oscar. And I, I think offensively there's there's not much there. And I think that, you know, the game could be really fast for him. So I don't know if there's going to be an opportunity this year. Maybe it's like the last couple games of the year. But I, I definitely love what I've seen in the G League from him. Yeah, the only thing I can maybe see for him is if the Pacers have that extra roster spot open by the end of the season, signing him to a deal just to give him a little bit more money than the two-way contract that he's currently on. But I don't know if they would do that. I don't even know if that makes sense. I'm, I'm not really sure exactly how yeah. two-way contracts work and everything. So... That might be the dumbest thing I've ever said. So if I did, I'm sorry. But um, I think that he's a really good rebounder. He's killing it in the G League. I think that if the Pacers were maybe to trade on Isaiah Jackson, then that could make That's some sense. Yeah. You know, maybe the third string center for this Pacers team and go out there. And when you need someone to just uh, secure the ball for you, put him in there. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know how good of a player he's actually going to be in the NBA, but I love what I see from him in the G League, and it's just fun to watch a guy go out there and dominate the glass like he has been. Like we're not just talking about like having really good numbers, like absolute domination vibes. Yeah. Like I wasn't like being facetious when I made the Will Chamberlain comments. Like that's what he looks like out there in the G League with the rebounding. I mean, he's just all over the place. I want to say that he had like twenty rebounds in like three of his first like five games or something like that. Like he he's really like apparently what what was great was he like asked what the, the Mad Ants uh, record was for <laughs> rebounds in his first game and then went out there and got, like, 20-plus rebounds. So oh, that, that, that's been awesome to see. But he's someone that does has one skill set that is absolutely elite, and then other than that, there's a lot more to be desired. So I, I don't necessarily know if he's going to translate to the NBA but from a rebound perspective, he is as advertised hmm. from what we've seen. Here's his G League stats right now. 22.3 points per game and 20 and a half rebounds per game. <laughs> I mean, like, whoa. Could you have asked for anything more? I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm always going to root for him. And, uh, you know, hey, we'll, we'll see what happens. Is he the best two-way player we have on the roster? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Evan definitely. Kendall? Uh, Kendall Brown, I would like to see more about, but I just think that from if you're going to do one skill set and it's going to be elite, Oscar has the most elite skill set out of the two way contracts. Okay, I, I can agree with that. I was I was just trying to see what your your feeling was on that, but don't think it's Isaiah Wong. No, no, Isaiah. no. yeah, that's look. Hey, Isaiah Wong, I, I root for every pacer. I, I just unfortunately I I don't see it with Isaiah Wong, and I I think that. Uh, Hey, I would love to be wrong, but for right now, I, I just don't see like any ability for Isaiah Wong to contribute to this Pacers team moving forward, especially when it's how good we are 
offensively. Like at least with Kendall Brown, you can get some you know defensive you know assistance. Oscar, hey, we have a major need at rebounding. I don't know what Isaiah Wong would be able to bring to the table to make this Pacers team better. Absolutely, Pacho. Let's move on to the next question. What you got? All right, Pacers truth teller said, "Is Buddy starting because they are shopping him?" No. Over the last three games, Buddy Hill has averaged 24.3 points per game, 2.7 rebounds, and 2.0 assists. He is shooting lights out. Fachi, 66.7% from the three-point line, 67.5% from the field. These are his numbers. He was, uh, let's see here, points in the first game against Atlanta, 24, 31 against Toronto, 18 against Detroit. Um, had the most rebounds against Detroit. I think that Detroit was probably one of his worst games because he was only 6 of 12 from the field and only 3 of 6 from 3, but still. That's 50% on both ends there. Uh, he was a plus 20 against the Hawks, plus 10 against the Raptors, was a minus 7 against the Pistons. But to be fair, he was a part of that stretch where the where the starters kind of got killed in that second quarter. So I think Buddy Hill is starting because he's a better fit next to Tyrese Halliburton and a better fit with that offense, what they're trying to bring. He, he doesn't slow things down as much either. So they're trying to, I think, break him out of his slump a little bit that he was in off the bench, and getting him with Tyrese makes a lot of sense to do that. But I just think that his shooting has just been so good with Tyrese that they wanted to get those minutes back together because Pacers were struggling a little bit to get off to faster starts. And I think Tyree, excuse me, I think Buddy has helped them get off to faster starts when originally they had not been doing that. There's no chance I could have said it better myself. Fantastic. All, all the stats that you throw out there just shows the impact that Buddy has had since moving back into the starting lineup. I mean, you look at some of the other games before he moved in lineup. Orlando, three points. I mean, Philly, two points. I mean, he had been really struggling. They unlocked Buddy. The chemistry is so real with Halliburton, and I think that Buddy has been fantastic. If he hit a game winner uh, against, uh, you know, the Hawks in that game, we, we would be like, oh, my God, this this could be, like, such a swing right now for the Pacers. So The Raptors, that, against the Raptors. That, against the Raptors, sorry. that, that That's what I meant. Not not the Hawks. We obviously pulled that one out. But uh, I think that that would be like something we look back to say, oh, wow, you know, this really unlocked Buddy and the Pacers. But you're going to know when Rick's ready to trade you because he's going to be very complimentary of you. And I don't, I don't think he's been over complimentary of, of, of Buddy. So I don't think this has to do anything with a trade. I think this is more just we needed a little bit something different. And I think that Buddy has brought that to the table for the Pacers. All right, Pacha, let's get to our last question here of part two of the mailbag. We have Bangkok Bart. <laughs> I don't even know if you made that name up or not. I don't know either. Did you but make it up? Did you put that on there? You sent the questions to me. No, no, no. Is this no, a legit was, Twitter no, handle? No, this is, this is a legit Twitter handle. <laughs> I'm saying I don't know what what's behind the name or not. It said Bangkok Bart. All right. I'm just going to call him Bart. I'm not going to say we'll Bangkok. Call him Bart. I just feel like that's we'll just call him a little Bart. bit too much here to end yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. All right, Bart wants to know, should we trade TJ to get Nimhard more playing time? I don't think it's a direct correlation where McConnell's taking away minutes from Nimhard. I think it's Nimhard's been banged up, and I think that he he's missed quite a few games, and those are the games that McConnell's played more in. And I think that the plan is to have McConnell out of the rotation, but obviously that comes with Nemhard's got to be able to to deliver his end. And I think that, you know, with, with seeing Nemhard come back, we saw McConnell not make an appearance. So I think that the the major motivation would not be to get Nemhard more playing time. I think it would be to say, hey, look, you know what? If we're going to do right by McConnell, send him elsewhere to find McConnell more playing time elsewhere. Yeah, TJ McConnell, it's tough because – 
He's not a bad basketball player, and no. I know there's a lot of fans that love TJ McConnell. He's probably the best, one of the best third string point guards in the NBA. Has to be. But when he was given an opportunity to be the backup, here are his numbers, Vachis. Vachi, 6.7 points per game, 4.7 assists, two rebounds. He shot the ball 45% from the field. He only took two threes. He made one, so he's shooting 50% from three. But the problem there is the number of attempts, only two three-pointers. And Not he enough. just can't be a floor spacer when he's out there on the floor. And so he has to have the ball in his hands. But if he's playing with Matherin, you want Matherin probably to have the ball in his hands more. If he's playing with Tyrese, you want Tyrese to have the ball more. And so TJ McConnell just really can't provide the goods from the from the off-ball perspective with his shooting. And then I feel like a lot of his shots that he takes are just like not great shots, but shots that he can make with his little running floater and stuff like that. So it's tough. He's a, a minus seven over the last three games. And it's one of those things where you don't have to trade him, Fachi, to, to get Nimhar more minutes because I you think don't. Carlisle already is going to do that. I just think that at some point, is Carlisle going to feel bad not playing him as much? and kind of go back to trying to find ways to get him on the floor. I mean, we talked with Caitlin Cooper about this, where we had a tough discussion where, you know, we're going to keep McConnell out of the rotation, and then two games later, they're trying to find a way to get him back in the game. So he was definitely not missed in the Pistons game. It was kind of nice having to see him out there. So I I think that McConnell, good player, not trying to be disrespectful, but don't think he is the best option for this Pacers team moving forward. No, I, I just think with the style of play they want, McConnell just I don't know, I, not 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 the the best fit when you have other guys out there like a a you know Halliburton and Andrew Nemhart. But I think the plan is to have him outside of the rotation, so it's, his minutes are not coming at the expense of Nemhart. But I, I think that there are other motivations to potentially trade him, but they don't have to trade McConnell. It's not like it's a uh, uh, you know. Like he's going to be able to bring in this unbelievable player salary at roughly about $9 million. You'd have to combine other players with him. So I don't think it's the biggest deal right now that uh, you know, Nemhard's not getting the minutes that he wants because this Pacers team added guys like Bruce Brown that you need to be able to play, you know, the, the amount of minutes that he's playing right now. Totally agree there, Fachi. So go ahead and let the people know now where they can find us on social media because we are done with part two of the mailbag. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Well, ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast, where you can find all of our post-game videos and all of our video content over there. But if you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast because it helps us out drastically. So with that being said, if you're excited for the Pacers and all that they're going to do the rest of the season, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every 